0: The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. The sermon text for this morning is in Matthew, Matthew 22. Matthew 22, and the sermon this morning will be on verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. So, Lord, the command that you've given us is weighty. It's, it's big to love you with all of our hearts and souls and mind and strength. God, it requires, requires all of us. And, Lord, what we want more than anything is to be able to love you that way with all our hearts and soul and soul. And mind and strength. So, Lord, come and empower what you command through your word and by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to sketch out uh, where we've been and where we're going. So, we've spent three weeks. Some of you are new here. Maybe you're just checking us out and, and checking out a different church here in the fall. And so, where we've been the last three weeks is looking at who we are in Christ. And we spent a couple weeks doing that individually where we saw that we have died with Christ to sin. And we've been raised with Christ to new eternal life and the kind of new life that we can walk in now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we saw that corporately as a people, the people of God, that we're citizens of heaven as our our first priority and our first allegiance. And that that makes us sojourners in this world, meaning that this is not our home. And it's probably never going to feel quite like home. But someday, what we're looking forward to is the day when our Savior returns to transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. And we are those that are bought by the blood of Jesus to press on to make Jesus both our goal and the fuel of all that we do. So that's where we've been here's who we are. (laughs) We need to remember who we are before we dive into what are we called to do. We've got to remember who we are before we dive in. But these next three weeks, we will transition to what is our calling as citizens and sojourners bought by the blood of Christ. So what's the, the calling On the people of God. And we're going to start, like I said, these next three weeks looking at these big callings right from the the mouth of Jesus, where he says, Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, and go and make disciples. That's the next three weeks. And then after that, we'll look at five or six ways, but we think the Word of God lays forth, puts before us as the people of God, by which we can begin to actually do that. Love God, love neighbor, and make disciples. So if you wanted a summary sentence of my hope for us together in this sermon series, what, it, what I hope it causes or affects by the power of the Holy Spirit, it would be this. That we would be a people engaging in the Great Commission by embodying the greatest commands. A people engaging in the Great Commission by embodying the greatest commands. So here's what I mean. The basic idea is this, if we want to be a people really engaged in the Great Commission, like we hear Jesus say, go and make disciples, bring more into the kingdom, go and preach my gospel and love the people around you and bring them into the kingdom, then we need to be the kind of people that embody the greatest commands. In other words, we can't just know in our heads that we should love God. But that, that won't work, to just know I'm supposed to love God. But instead, we have to be the kind of people that love God with all of our hearts, and all of our souls, and all of our minds, and all of our strength, as the treasure of the universe, as the only one supreme and perfect in all his ways, as creator and savior. Right? Nothing less will do if we're going to engage the world and make them think Jesus matters and we can't just know that we should love our neighbors inside and outside these church walls like that that would be a good thing to do right we all know that no one in, anyone in here would say i shouldn't love my neighbors right we all know <laughs> we should love our neighbors but what i want for us is that we actually do love our neighbors with self-giving love that treats them as humans made in the image of god right human beings worthy of our time and worthy of our attention and worthy of our care as eternal beings who need to be loved and hear the news of salvation we have in Jesus and then join us in loving God. Right? We want to be a growing family that invites people into this family. And I'm convinced that if God would pour out grace to help us be people that don't just know we should love God, and know we should love our neighbors in our heads like a thing to check off, but we'd embody it in our hearts and with our hands in our neighborhoods, in our co-ops, in our schools, in our workplaces, all the places Peter just prayed about, if we would do that, embody that, what would we be doing? The Great Commission. Wouldn't we? If we were loving God with all our hearts, souls, mind, and strengths, and loving our neighbors as ourselves, wouldn't we just be doing the Great Commission. We wouldn't have to think about it. We wouldn't have to make a plan to do the Great Commission. We wouldn't have to say, Great Commission, that's on Saturdays, right? Everything else is through the week. We'd say, this is just who we are. We just embody this. We just bring Jesus and the love of God and His love for the world everywhere we go. And I think it would make a difference in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and wherever else we are to love God and love our neighbors that we might make disciples so if you're here and you're part of us that's what I want for us (laughs) and if you're here and you're a visitor just checking us out then what I want you to hear is that there's a people here in this room and we are very imperfect and we are very broken and we are very messy but we want to love God (laughs) And we want to love you. And we want to see you love God with us. And all your brokenness and your messiness. So if you're here and listening in, we're excited you're here. And we hope that what you'll hear is, oh, how we want God for you. And oh, how we want God for us. So let's, let's dive in. Point number one, a foundational but impossible command. So this morning we're looking at the calling to love God. This is the most foundational command that Jesus gives and it's foundational because we really cannot follow any other commands unless we love God right if you're not loving God even in your obedience of God you're not really obeying his commands and it shows up in Matthew 22 and Mark 12 and Luke 10 and here's what's clear about what's happening in all of these cases What's clear is that the religious leaders are testing Jesus. They want to catch him or stump him or confuse him, right? He's been doing miracles and wowing people with his powerful teaching, and they're just looking for any way that they can take him down a notch. And this is a good word for us, right? Why are they doing that? They're doing that because they want to maintain their power and their place and their comfort. And their rights to be the leaders. And in doing so are missing the greatest command to love God as God stands right in front of them. Oftentimes, we don't miss out on loving God because he doesn't make it obvious to us, right? Here, here Jesus is saying, here's the gospel. Here's the kingdom. Here I am. And they're saying, tell us, what's, what's the greatest command, Right? And as he answers, love God, they're going, ah, didn't trick him. Right? Didn't trick him. And missing out on loving God to maintain their comfort and their power. But here's how Jesus answers. And I want to read the answer he gives. We read from Matthew. I want to read the answer he gives from Mark because it points us back to where this comes from. Mark 12, 29 to 30 says this, Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So Jesus is quoting here from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, and he's quoting the most recited passage for any kind of faithful Israelite. A faithful Israelite would have recited this verse several times a day, like probably morning, lunch, and dinner for a normal faithful Israelite, at least morning and evening. And so they knew it. They knew this verse. And in the context of Deuteronomy, it was the command that was meant to define the people of God. You have to love him, Israel, Because He's the only true God. (laughs) Don't run after other idols. Don't run after other nations with their idols. You have to love Him because He is the one. There is no other God. He's the true God. He's your Redeemer. Don't you remember, Israel, that He brought you out of Egypt? Don't you remember He's not just Lord and Creator, but He's your Redeemer, the one who brought you out. He's your defender, your strength, and therefore, Israel, orient all of your life. Orient all of your life, all of your affections, orient it all around him. That's the call here to the people of God to define how this people of God will function. But this isn't just an occasional love. Notice it says all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. So what, what do those words Mean. What is he requiring of the people of God? Let's just take them one at a time. Your heart, at the time this was written, would have been seen as the center of your affections and your desires and your, your passions. So the call here is that all of your affections and all of your desires are aimed at the true God in every situation to never have a divided heart. To never have an apathetic heart. To never have a heart that's 99% engaged. To have a heart that's all in. A heart always, at all times, with all of it, treasuring God above all. Right? That, that's all. Right? Is anyone already feeling insufficient for the task? Or your soul. So your soul would include your heart, but it represented your whole living being. It was your body. And it was your whole embodied soul. And it was your circumstances and your reality and your situations. The call is that in every circumstance, with every part of us, we treasure the God of the universe above all else. That in every situation or circumstance, whether in public or in secret... That all you are and all you're doing is devoted to God. That's the second thing, soul. What about your mind? Your mind represents your thoughts. So not just what you feel and who you are and what you do, but what you think, right? What you think about. It's the same call in the New Testament to take every thought captive to Christ, every single one. Right To take every thought captive to the beauty and the power and salvation of God and let our minds be constantly engaged in thinking about Him and just loving who He is. It means to have no stray or sinful thoughts. Not even one. But a mind wholly at all times with all of it engaged in rightly seeing and savoring and treasuring God. Or your strength. Your strength represents not only all that you are, but all that you have. So think of all your resources coming to bear on this love, right? All your influence. What influence do you have in life, in your neighborhood, in your workplace? All of that to bear. For the love of God. All your money, all your time, all your abilities, there would not be any authority or ability or dollar you have that is not stewarded in light of your devotion and affection and joy in the God of the universe. That's the call. That's what it means to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. It's all encompassing of our affections our whole beings and our circumstances, our thoughts, our resources. And you'll notice that I used words interchangeably like treasure and devoted and engaged and savoring and affection and joy because that's what it means to love God. That's what it means to love God. It's a love from the heart that sees who God really is and is all in all the time because it sees him as worthy of all we are, as our all-powerful creator, all-kind redeemer, all-holy judge, all-worthy king, and always near to us friend that is worthy of our heart and soul and mind and strength. This feels like an extreme command, but it's really just an invitation into reality. (laughs) Just just, just see him. You'd see him, how he is, you'd love him. And if you, you loved him... All of your life would be about him, right? Nothing could stay the same. This love for God is foundational and it's crucial. Like the like the New Testament, like if you look at, go read some of the stories in Matthew and Mark where this is is put forward. One of the persons says, like, how how do I get everlasting life? And Jesus answers this way. (laughs) This is how you get everlasting life. I'll fix that problem in a second. Right? but that's crucial. Or you read James. Those who love God, those are the ones who get the crown of life. Those are the ones who are the inheritors of the the kingdom of God, right? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now he's not saying there that loving him is keeping his commands. He's saying more than that. He's saying infinitely more than that. He's saying, if you love me with your heart and soul and mind and strength fixed on treasuring God above all else, you'll obey the commands from love. He's saying you can't just make a checklist I'm proving I'm loving God. No, if you love me, you're just going to obey me. It's going to be all you are. So where we don't obey just means we're not wholly loving God in that moment. Now, I could go to a bunch of Bible verses that show that no one does it perfectly. But beyond the Bible, we all know this by experience. Right? Kids, the Bible says obey your parents. Have you ever disobeyed? What about on the car ride into church this morning? Right? I've often said like the one thing you're just never going to have to train kids to do is, is sin. Right? They just come out sinning. <laughs> Right? because our, our hearts are broken, our hearts don't just love God, or adults. Have you ever had a moment in your life where your heart's affections weren't totally for God but drawn to other things? Or maybe if, maybe even a couple moments like that. Or, have you ever had a moment where, where some part of your life was not aligned with treasuring God in word or deed? Right? Or have you ever had a moment where your mind wasn't set on the goodness and beauty of God, but some sinful thought or some rabbit trail or some some ugly, ungodly reality? Have you ever had a moment where you didn't use your resources or influence or abilities for the love of God, but for, for bad or for sin? And the answer is, of course. Of course, that's happened for all of us. And how do we actually do this because you can hear a sermon like this you can hear a call like this and what some of you want to do because this is what I want to do is I want to go okay (laughs) it's time to love God (laughs) but I'm going to love him all my heart all my soul all my strength here we go this week is loving God week right and you just you just want to work up the adrenaline and it doesn't work but the command doesn't go away (laughs) so what do we do so let's look A fulfilled and indwelling command. So the answer to what do we do, where do we go, how does this work, is that we go back to the last couple of weeks and we remember that we are in Jesus Christ. We're in Him. His obedience counts for our obedience his death to sin comes for our death to sin his resurrection life is our resurrection life and when we see that then we can hear the words of Matthew 5 17 about what Jesus has done ringing with good news for ourselves so here's what it says Jesus is talking and he says do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets I've not come to abolish them but to fulfill them that's why he came He he came to fulfill them and to love because He knew we couldn't do it. Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly. He is the perfect Israel, perfectly keeping all the commands and never sinning. As Emmanuel, God with us, He loved with all His heart and soul and mind and strength in the mess of this broken world and therefore could be the perfect sacrifice for sinners who couldn't love with all their heart, soul, mind and strength perfectly. Remember just from last week Philippians 3.9. Here's what it says. That we want to be found in Jesus. Not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ. And the reason we want that kind and not the kind that comes from keeping the law is we can't keep it. (laughs) Right? We want the only kind we can have and that's by faith in Jesus Christ. We can't fulfill the law ourselves we can't love like this perfectly but jesus has he has and by faith in him he takes on all our sin on the cross and he clothes us with his righteousness christ has fulfilled all and we are in him and that's really good news that's where you rest as you look at that command but not only is the law fulfilled in jesus But in the new covenant, in the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in us to give us hope to actually begin to orient our lives, to love our God like we're called to, and to bring us into the abundant life that Jesus promised. So think of Deuteronomy 6 as the place that that Jesus is getting this command from. Now listen to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 6 and verse 14. So Moses, here's the people of God. Moses giving them this command that we just heard. And then a lot of stuff has happened. (laughs) A lot of mess has happened. And then he says this to them towards the end of the book. He says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Verse 14. Verse 14. And the word, the word that's going to make this happen, the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth. And it's in your heart so that you can do it. So Moses goes, here's the commands. I've watched you. It's not going well. Don't lose hope. You're going to get a new heart. You're going to get a new heart. And there's going to be this word that comes. It's going to make you able to actually begin to, to live this out. So then we would just say, where's that word? What's the word? How are you going to do heart surgery that allows God, people to love God with new hearts so they can live? How are you going to do it? What's the word? Where do we find it? And the next time this is quoted is in Romans chapter 10, verses eight to 10. And you'll know this passage, Romans 10 verses eight to 10. It says, "The word is near you." Now he's talking to the church, the people of God again. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. And in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. In other words, the whole Bible picture here is that God himself We'll do a kind of heart surgery to help us hear the gospel and believe in the death of Jesus for sins and his resurrection so that we can have eternal life and be saved. And then we'll be able to see it and live it. That's the good news of the gospel. We call that the theological term for that is the new birth right you were dead and now you've been brought to new life right you couldn't do that yourself no baby has ever birthed itself no baby could ever birth itself this is something god does he brings new life in other words god fulfills all that is required on our behalf by sending his son to perfectly keep the commands in our behalf so we can live we can live and then god does heart surgery to give us a new heart indwelt by the Holy Spirit so that we can see Jesus for all He is, all He's done, and trust the gospel by faith and be saved. And the good news just keeps coming that then the Spirit helps us see more and more of God and all His holiness and love and mercy and justice and the plan of redemption in Jesus. And as we see it by the power of the Holy Spirit, we love Him. Do you love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? This is the work of the the Holy Spirit. To love God, to follow this command, is really to receive Jesus and have the gospel word in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit change everything. And and Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verses 42 to 43. He's talking to the, the religious rulers and he says to them, I know that you don't have the love of God within you. That would have been so offensive <laughs> here are the religious leaders i know you don't have the love of god in you but what he says second makes it even more offensive i have come in my father's name and you don't receive me right this this is what makes us christians that the holy spirit by the word of the gospel, has opened our eyes to see jesus and now we know the god man came and he lived the life i couldn't live and he died the death i deserved to die and he, he rose again to conquer death and he sent the the spirit to open my eyes to see him and love him and trust him and worship him and i am not there but the spirit is working to help me see him and oh how i do love him i love him i want to be with him forever that's the gospel that's what makes us christians Right? Not any other religion to say we just love a God. We love the God of the Bible with Jesus Christ as the Savior, the God-man become flesh to do what we couldn't do and deliver us to eternal glory forever. So do we want true eternal life? Do we want to begin to love God with all we are? Where does that start? It starts the first time and every day just saying, I want to receive Jesus. <laughs> I want to be with Jesus. I want to trust that He's fulfilled the commands on my behalf. I want to trust that I'm in Him. I want to trust that He took my sin. I want to trust that I have His righteousness. And the Word of God dwells in our hearts and by the Spirit of God that dwells inside of us it transforms us more and more into the image of Jesus to produce the fruit of love for God and others. It's the miracle of the new birth. Point number three, a faithful and increasing completion So really the call of our lives, from the vantage point of standing in forgiveness, standing in righteousness, resting in Jesus, is to simply seek to be faithful and increasing in our love for God. And I use the word seek on purpose because you're never going to arrive in this life. There's no arriving at perfect obedience in this command. But the call of our lives is simply standing in forgiveness and righteousness and rest and going, I just want to increase in my love for God. I remember my mentor saying to me, he said, life is really as simple as waking up and saying, I want to love God more today than I did yesterday. Like, it's really that simple. Just, I just want to love God more than I did yesterday. And even though we don't do it perfectly, we're called to have this kind of remembrance and love for God saturate our lives. I just want to read to you from Deuteronomy 6 verses 5 to 9 so that you can hear in the context of the first time this command was given just how saturating it was supposed to be in the lives of the people of God. Here's what it says in verses 5 to 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That's true of us now, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's true. Then he says this. You shall teach them to your children. You should talk about them when you sit in your house. Talk about them when you walk by the way. When you lie down. When you rise. Put them as a sign on your, on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. What's the point of that? What's he trying to create there? with what we know about how Jesus fulfills this and then empowers this kind of love, I think the point is this. Seek and spread and show the love of Jesus wherever you are. It's really that. Just to seek and spread and show the love of Jesus wherever you are. Carry your affection for Jesus in your heart. Right? His perfection, His love, His forgiveness, His redemption, His death, His resurrection. Talk to your kids about how good He is. Just talk to them about it. When you're sitting around at your house, watching a show, throwing a ball, working on the house, remember the beauty of Jesus and mention how good He is. When you have a family fight, remember the beauty of Jesus and His forgiveness and celebrate together that you can forgive each other because you've been forgiven. When you run an errand or go to work or go to a family get-together or go to a school co-op, just bring Jesus with you and remember His beauty and His goodness and treasure Him in everything you do. Make your first thought in the morning and your last thought at night be the goodness and beauty of Jesus. And I, just as a practice, just commend you to do that. I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you're not. But when I wake up in the morning, I just got lots of things coming at me and they're not normally happy (laughs) they're not normally awesome when i'm laying down to go to bed at night i'm not normally thinking there oh i just feel so restful so ready to sleep i just got all these things and i got to remember the goodness and the beauty of jesus that will color my day and even color the way i sleep keep him in the front of your mind as you process your joys and your sorrows Keep them in the front of your mind as you make massive decisions and you work on huge projects at work. And keep them as the front of your mind as you unload the dishwasher and do the laundry and change dirty diapers. Keep them in the front of your mind wherever you are and in whatever you're doing and let all your affections and all your being and all your circumstances and all your thoughts and all your abilities and all your resources be ruled and reigned by the freedom of treasuring Jesus Christ. So, I, again, I don't. I just don't want you to hear this as like a to-do list, a checklist. I just want you to hear this as just stepping into freedom, right? J- just stepping into reality. Like, Jesus should be treasured, right? <laughs> he should be loved. God should be worshipped with all of us. And so we're just bringing ourselves into alignment with the way the universe is supposed to be. So I just want to end with, with two thoughts in light of all these things. Two applications since jesus has fulfilled the commands and we're forgiven and righteous in him and since the holy spirit lives in us we are free and empowered to seek to love god with everything i hope that feels like freedom like i can just go after it with all my might because i have the holy spirit in me and if god is our highest love we have a steady anchor for our souls because he never changes and so, in this loving God, this, this love for God is a helpful diagnosis for our soul. Do you know how to diagnose where something else is taking maybe first place in your heart, where you're loving something more than God? I would just encourage you to look for your life in areas where you find persistent anger growing, persistent agitation growing, persistent frustration growing, persistent anxiety growing. Not all anger, not all anxiety is sinful, but where it's present and paralyzing and growing, you take a look and go, why? What, what do I love that I'm losing that's making me angry? Or do I want more than God that's making me so angry? Or, or what, do I, what do I need or want that's making me so anxious? What, what do I love more than God? Right? Those might be areas where something else is taking first place. And the good news in the gospel is when you realize that you simply go to Jesus and you say, Help me. Help me. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be angry. I don't, I don't want to be anxious. I want my life to be oriented around your, your goodness and beauty. When I see those things, how can anything else matter? How can anything else do this to my heart? Because you're good. You're beautiful. And you've saved me. I'm going to be with you forever. And I mean, just so you no, like this isn't just for you. This is for pastors. Like, there's some stuff this week. Like, I was angry <laughs> and I was anxious and I was irritated and I was frustrated. And, like, I needed a bite on Friday night to come and just remember like, Jesus is good, Jesus is beautiful. And Jesus is worth my affections. Jesus is, is worth all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. He's, he's worth all those things. And then the wor- things of the world, what do they do? Right, They just grow strangely dim. They don't go away. They're still there. I still have to work next week. Right? It's still coming. But now I'm going to try to do that. From a place of the goodness and beauty of Jesus. Like that's where it's flowing from. That's where it's coming from. That's point number one. Diagnose your heart and go, where, where is something else taken first place? Point number two, second application. Think about where and when your affections are most stirred for Jesus. So all of us, we're all different, right? Some of you, it's, it's worship music, right? Some of you, it's sermon jams and rap Christian music, right? Some of you, it's a long walk in a park. Some of you, it's this group of friends that stir your affections for Jesus. Some of you, it's, you know, we all have these different areas that they stir our affections for God, our love for God. And I just want to encourage you, feed those things. (laughs) Feed them, right? And run from the things that would lead your soul away from Jesus and maybe more importantly in our day, run from the things that numb your soul to Jesus. That just make you apathetic and out of touch and distant and cold and unfeeling. Feed your soul a steady diet of those things that help you see and love Jesus and run from those things that numb your soul. It's a final word here. You are righteous in Christ so you can rest. I can rest because we're righteous in Christ. You can rest completely right now. No one can snatch you out of his hand. You have eternal life. You have righteousness in Jesus. You're going to be with him forever. And you are empowered by the Spirit so you can run. <laughs> you can run after Jesus with all that you are. So let's be a people faithfully growing and blood-bought Spirit-wrought love for God with all our hearts, souls, mind, and strength. Let me pray. So, Lord, we we do love You. <laughs> by Your grace, by Your Spirit, we love You. And, God, we, we want to love You more. Mm-hmm. We want all of our hearts and souls and minds and strengths to just be caught up in the eternal love of God, to, to see you as you are, to let you let you be Lord and Savior and Redeemer and Creator, Lord, to let you put everything else in perspective. To let you have first place in our affections and our priorities and our resources and our hearts and our minds. To just let you be what you ought to be. To, to walk in Reality by the power of the Spirit. Oh God, thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for dying for our lack of love for you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to help us. God, we're going to come now and we're going to eat and drink with Jesus in communion. And God, what we want to do is we want to confess anything that we've been loving more than you. We want to lay it down at the foot of the cross, and we want to end by rejoicing and proclaiming how much we love you and trusting that you're going to come. You're going to come by your Spirit and give us grace to love you more. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples,